Hello and welcome to episode 254 of Three Beers a Movie. I'm Richard Laird and I'm with... Colin McKay. Colin, hello. hello. How are you on this gloriously sunny Scottish day? Oh, that, what's this weather's nuts today? You would, <laughs> it looks like it could rain at any given point today and it not any time has it rained. It's bizarre. Yes, it's um, it's it, it makes it difficult for a man like myself to know how to dress if I didn't yeah, just dress yeah. in the same thing all the time anyway. Because it is like big fat rain clouds, but yeah. there's rain and it's dark and overcast and like, it's bizarre weather, isn't it? You very just, odd, very, very odd. It makes it, it does, weird, it? it's summers confusing. Are, summers are weird. So. Yes, yeah, Scottish summer is, yeah, particularly weird. Um, mm. Are you drinking anything of note tonight? Yes, After last week's um, adventures, are you Yes, uh, last week I went to work slightly hungover. Um, this week I'm, I'm being sensible and drinking... Bud Light. Bud Light, yes, so I've been a good boy. I have two You need about 900 of them to feel what you did. Um last yeah, Friday basically. Yeah, yeah. I think I think after we finished last Friday, um I had a few rums as well. What a school night, which is really, really you silly. Went, you went far too big on a Thursday, Colin. Far too yeah, big I, on a Thursday. I know it was just there's sometimes when you like enjoy that and you're feeling quite nice and you think, Do you know what I'll have one more and then yeah. before you know it you're like I've, I've went too far. I went too far. Yeah, you know you've done it, but you go to sleep thinking of going to hate myself in the morning. You know, so it's like you're a night out and you have like five or six pints, you feel good and you go, I'm gonna have one or two more, and then you feel like ah, those one or two more were not required. <laughs> but <laughs> you're, in, you're in the zone, you're in the vibe, you're feeling you're feeling good about life, and just yeah. But the it's one or two extra you have are always ones that do the real real damage. Always makes a difference. You know, in your that wee voice, and you were saying, you're saying, don't don't do it. Don't, don't you you will regret this. Is not don't having these it. extra two drinks is not worth it for how you will feel yeah, tomorrow. It's horrible. Um, what are you drinking? Anything I've more got, interesting? I've got a one. It's from Shindigger, and it's called Mango Unchained. Oh. Oh, I was going to get one of them today. Yeah. I was looking at that, and I thought it'll be good and get that. I was that's yeah. really cool. The co-op's got look, they've got a range uh-huh. of the free ones. Yeah, and I was looking at it because I thought the name was really cool. How yeah. is it? It's nice. It tastes it tastes very mangoey and beery. So it's, it's actually it's actually quite a nice one. It actually doesn't taste that dissimilar to a lot of this kind of. It's not from Brewdog, but it has that kind of Brewdoggy vibe to it. You know, it's sort of refreshing, but that yeah. fruity aftertaste is nice. But no, it's nice. Man- definitely one man- of the mangoes. Are always quite dominant. It, Yes. Some of them quite subtle, but with mango, you always know. You can tell you're eating a mango. A mango wants to slap you in the face. Yeah, which is nice, because I like mangoes. Mango's nice. Mango's nice. And it's only 4.2%, so you can have a couple of them and not feel too too heavy. That's like a picnic drink, isn't it? Yeah. And I'm pretty sure the Shindigger, they're they're Scottish, aren't they? I'm pretty sure they are. Sounds sounds Scottish, doesn't it? It does, yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know if they're Glasgow-based or not. Remember, that one you had a couple of weeks ago was a Glasgow-based one, literally from your house. They, no, Shindigers, like, they are from Manchester, actually. Oh. Very odd. Did not expect it's, that. Yeah, it's a very Scottish sounding name, though, because Shindig's like, you know, you have a, a Shindig. Mm. Uh, yeah, cool. Uh, I'm going to try that one soon, because I really do like mango beers. So I'm not a massive fan of fruity beers, but mango's the exception to the rule. I think I always enjoy mango. Well, we're maybe doing this in person next week, so maybe I'll buy you a, a mango unchained to... Oh, that would, be, that would be very good. I would, yeah, yeah. Oh, that, that's right, folks. Next week, we're going to, we're going to try and hook up in person again um, yes we like live, live from the Mackay household yeah very um, really done it for you that's like the second one done for you there's another one from don't another one from my house yet so we need to do one from my house at some point I do need to come over but sir you do live like <laughs> pretty much in the highlands I'm going to say <laughs> I do not live in the highlands I'm, I'm actually further south than you that's the point <laughs> Well, yeah, but it, but it's like as the crow flies, it's like 
hundreds of miles away. So <laughs> the crow flies. The crow flies. It's thirty miles away. Yeah, <laughs> it but it's, it, you do go back in time a good twenty-five years. That's that's the yeah. only problem, you know. So. You, you see horses and carts, and you're like, okay, right. <laughs> There's not a day I've, we've driven and we've not been stuck behind a tractor. Let me just put it that way. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. Constantly, we're trying to time it so we don't get stuck behind tractors. Doesn't matter when we go out, fucking Does tractor. Tractor dragging a fucking corbine harvester with it. Yes. And, so, yeah. what have you been watching at home this week, Colin? Oh, um, home viewing this week's been quite an exciting week for me. Ooh, um, so, I've, I've finally started watching The Boys season three. Um, Matt, both of these are massive, massive fans of the comic book. Mm-hmm. Really enjoyed the first two seasons, and everybody's been talking about how great season three is. So there's been a lot of kind of pressure. Um, so I'm four four episodes in to, to season three, and happy to report that it's just as batshit crazy and, and mental as the previous seasons were. Nice, um, absolutely bonkers. Um, story arcs are nuts. Um, and again, it does that really clever thing where it gives you a coherent story. Interspared by moments of pure utter madness. Yeah, yeah. and it still falls. I mean, because you know, dolphins flying out of cars underneath all that. There is, you know, there is a story there. Do you know what I mean? Driving through a wheel. Yeah, stuff like that. But you know, there is the overall story arc itself. It's quite intelligent sometimes and quite well written. And it's just more of the same. Um, there's some what the fuck moments in it. There's some mm. who let that pass moments in it. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's been great fun, so I'm really, really enjoying that. Lot. I will, I will watch it because I'm a big fan. Like I said, like the yeah, yeah, I'm looking at the, I've got all the comic books sitting on my shelf right now, which I have read um, many times. So I'm very much looking forward to, to seeing more yeah, of Yeah, and uh, the other one that, that I've started watching that's really exciting is um, it's back again. Only Murders in the Building, um, season two. So I've only, there's only two episodes dropped so far. Does it pick uh, up straight after the first season? Yeah, it pretty much picks up. Um, Overall, it feels as cosy as as the other one. Um, there's one I won't I won't spoil it and say who or what or why, but there's one addition to it that I'm not keen on at all. Um, and that that's kind of let me down a bit. But mm. other than that, yeah, yeah, it's still it's still. I mean, it's general humour. I mean, it is what it is. It's Martin Short, Steve Martin doing doing their thing, and and Selena's in there doing doing what she does best. Thing, yeah. But yeah, they've kind of brought somebody in that I'm I'm no particularly enjoying that. Actor, yeah. Um, you'll know who it is when you watch it. Fair um, enough. It's always a worry you get to a second season, they always try and expand the universe out, expand the yeah. narrative out, and to, they feel like they you know to keep it fresh and you bring that in. Sometimes it doesn't really work, but then you understand why to do it because if you do the same thing again, that's also pretty boring. And I it, mean, so far it's all been pretty much 90% it's been set in the Arconia, so they are kind of going with you know, keep it on location and stuff like yeah. that, which, which is good. And you know, as I say, the, the kind of scripting is pretty much the same format, I mean, the back and forth and mm. each character's playing the type and stuff like that. Um, it, it's, it's, it's just, I think it's probably more me, um, but I've brought, they said, I've brought someone in that, that I quite dislike anyway. and. Yeah. Oh my God, Jimmy Fox has turned up in this, hasn't he? No, no, not Jimmy Fox. No, <laughs> I don't like this person more than I don't like Jimmy Fox. Fair enough. Uh, yeah. There you go. But um, I'm still, still enjoyed it. And see, it's still got that warmth and that coziness and that it's just like we comfort you. And again, they're like kind of 35 minutes of pop as well, you know. So it's not it's not by any means strenuous watch either. Do you know what I mean? So, no, the op- what I remember the first season is number one, I very much enjoyed the first season, but n- no episode I felt like overstayed its welcome. It always ended when you could, you could have went five minutes more. Yeah. Which I think is important. You don't want to do it with the point where it's like, why is this not finished yet? You, look, you might look at the runtime and go, oh, that's all it is. I, I would wish it yeah. had more of that. Like Mandalorian done that really well as well. Um, just enough. Just yeah. enough to keep yourself in. And if you went too long, you're going, oh, really? Is that what you're doing? 
you know. So I, I'm actually all for a, a show that knows when to, um, you know, cap itself, which is I think is yeah. nice. Um, and also, um, I got around to finishing off Obi Wan as well. And which what do you think overall? Finished, didn't you? I, I, again, I'm, I'm much like you. I'm kind of coming in more and more. You were thinking where, even as a massive Star Wars fan, I'm just starting to more and more think, who cares? You know, what's the payoff here? Because yeah. There's no, there's no jeopardy at all. Do you know what I mean? And the only characters that, that are disposed were characters that you don't care enough about anyway. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. You bring them in for two episodes to, to throw them away. So it's like, yeah. well, we're not going to invest in that character anyway. And the ones that I'm invested in, I know there's no imminent danger for those characters. Yeah. So it's kind of like, what's, what's the point? Yeah, like in the last episode, for example, a, a major character goes missing at one point and they're trying to find that character. You... you you know they're going to find that character. There's no jeopardy there. You know what's going to happen. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Yeah, there's, there's no threat there at all. Um, oh. I, I would say throughout the whole thing, um, Mr. McGregor can hold his head up high, I um, think. No issue with McGregor whatsoever. Mr. McGregor, was, yeah. he definitely enjoyed it. He enjoyed the role. He enjoyed visiting it. And he was, everything he did was very much enjoyable. He, he plays that role to an absolute T. And I think most of the joy I got from the show was watching him play yeah. that role. yeah. Um, I, as you've said before, and I'm starting to feel it now, even I'm getting lit up, you know, kind of slowed by his fan service. There's, there's a lot, a lot of fan service. Too much. Do you know what I mean? You're lit, I, I get it. Do you know what I mean? Just, you know, because the problem is, is they, they need to embrace a new audience. And, you know, if you keep pandering to idiots like me um, and giving us fan service, then, you know, it, it's going over the heads of all your new people that watch yeah. it. Nothing none of that matters to them. Do you know what I mean? So, let it go. We know it's Star Wars now. You know, it's firmly established that you've got a franchise TV show that you're going to run. So, you know, let's just do something different with it, man. I, I feel like it's, it's like you said, well, I said it's, it's, it's a world, it's a massive universe, but yet somehow it all boils down to one desert planet with the same three characters. And it's like, yeah. I get you've got to find and find like a hook to get it into. Um, mm. But there must be more out there you can try and use to make it interesting. I know there's a whole like there's a whole cartoons and the like, sort of animations yeah. you can use stuff from that. Like you don't have to bring stuff back from that. You could you could almost and this might sound shocking to people who watch Star Wars, but have an original Star Wars story. Yeah. You know, like there's stories like Rogue One was as close as it got to an original story, even though it is tied in. To the yeah, other ones, but because yeah, it brought in a lot of characters that we never knew existed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. we all kind of knew what was going to happen to them in the end because yeah. basically how it all ends up. But what worries me about this new show, Cassian, because again they're introducing a character that ultimately we know what happens to them. Fucking gets blown up by a planet. Do you know what Aye. I mean? So why do I care? Do you know what I mean? Who you yeah. know has stood up? We don't know what his outcome. Um, you, ever... show, you see, he's done like a show, for example, like the Mandalorian show stands alone because in a way. It is separate from the Star Wars universe. You know, it's, it's they're bringing in characters you recognise sometimes, but I think the, the the least enjoyable parts of that show when they do try and tie it to canon when they bring in Skywalker and all that kind of stuff. When they make it just yeah. rogue cowboy going village to village villain of the week type thing, yeah. it works. So use the use the load. The loads are to use, but don't you know? Uh-huh. Why can't you do a show set on, say, for an example, give me a planet? What's 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 the one that the, the uh, there you go. Not, well, Hoff's yeah. a bit of a desert kind of land, but let's. What's yeah, the one with the big? What's the one with the, the parliaments on? The one where it's all you know the one. Oh, um, Coruscant, yeah. Yeah. Why don't you do a Coruscant one, but do it say like CSI Coruscant? Yeah. Do, yeah you break you're missing the Star Wars world. It'd be just be doing something different well, with it. You're bringing worlds in. Is, if you've ever played the uh, the Knights of the Old Republic games, 
I've not played any Star Wars games apart from the Phantom they, Menace game. So they're set like, like, I think it's a few thousand years before the Skywalkers and all that. Do you yeah. know what I mean? It's this total element that, that can do what it wants because it's so far it's, back. It doesn't need, to, they need, they need to worry about how do we tie this in. Yeah. Honestly, both these games um, are, are better written than pretty much anything since Empire. Do you know Aye. what I mean? This is video games, do you know what I mean? So it can be done. They just need to grow a pair of balls. That's the problem. Is it's Disney that they're... they're they're in, they're in this for one thing and one thing only, um, and it's it's not to entertain us, believe it or not. It's money, so. it's, it's, it's content for us, all it's content for us, money, and we all know this. But it's such a and you give smart people like you give something like Taika Waititi, who is the next Star Wars movie, why are you going to tie him to like having to tie it into? I don't know if he is, but I'm just I'm assuming you're going to tie it in some way to the trilogy and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, well, yeah. why can't you let Taika's mind just fucking unravel and do something that's in, that you recognize? Okay, this is Star Wars, something like technology is the same. But I don't have any character recognize, you know, something yeah. like that. Like what we do in the shadows to an extent. Like, you know, yeah. the TV show of that, they've had like sort of one major reference to the, the movie when they do yeah. like, in a Zoom call. Other than that, that show stands by itself as the world you recognize. Yeah. But without having to bring in the old characters to, to make it to boy it up. Yeah, it's not plenty of fan service. It's mm. it's this continuation of that world. Um, uh -huh. you know. And, you know, it's a separate part of it, and, and it works. Well, the yeah. paranormal as well. Yeah, yeah, exactly. They kind of sent the same universe, but it's so different, you know. And again, it's not pandering. Do you know what I mean, it's like, no, this this is a wee bit different. You know, I'm not uh -huh. going to get what you've seen before. Take this yeah. instead. Give me a comedy in the Star Wars universe if you want. Do go for a balls out comedy. Yeah, yeah. Be, be. By all means, like, don't you don't have to be tied to doing sci-fi. Do a sci-fi comedy. Don't make yeah. it space. Yeah. You can, don't make it space balls. That's obviously that's a parody, but. You can do yeah. something else with comedy other than just and doing a parody. The thing is, is, because it's Star Wars, even a miss is a hit. If you know Aye. what I mean, it's going to be enough diehard fans, you know, millions and millions that will yeah. watch it still, regardless. Do you know what I mean? So, yeah, you know, swing for the fence. Have fun. Even yeah. everyone hated Han Solo, apparently, but it fucking made a ton of money. Yeah, I like Han Solo. You did. Yeah. You're an idiot, though. Um, <laughs> anyway, Star Wars, we love you, but do something different. Yeah, totally. Yeah, it's, it's yeah, time to expand that universe. Let's do it. Um, what yeah. have you watched? Not much doing, unfortunately. Um, I'm a bit busy this week, but I did um, watch a, a Disney fucking three-parter called Have You Seen This Man? Have you seen it? No. It's this guy who basically scammed the government and goes missing and can't find him. It's one of those things, it's definite, I think it came from a podcast, and it very much feels like it came from a podcast. It's a, like a documentary. Are they, is it, are they stretching the <sighs> materials? Stretching materials and also there's no conclusion. Yeah. The person is not, there's no, and I'm going, what the fuck's the point in this then? Yeah, yeah. You, you give me half a story and it felt like, why has this even been made? I'm, I'm sure on a podcast it was very, you know, it was like, oh, what's going to happen next? And maybe when you're listening to it 40 minutes every week for, you know, a couple of weeks, it was fine. But I watched three parts in the space of like maybe like four or five hours. I'm going, I feel like a wasted time here because like, there's no story here. There's, it's yeah, because nice. you're no follow forward when you oh. start. Yeah, yeah. I want to know the setup, but there's no payoff. There's no yeah. like, the setup's interesting. It brings a lot of information. You go, oh, that's quite intriguing how that's all working, and maybe that could be true. Who knows? Blah blah. And then, then it was just sort of like, well, we don't really know what's happening. We hope he's that. Hope that we think this. We think that. I'm going, that shit. You give me half a fucking story, and it, that, that really infuriated me. Um, oh, yeah. And I was annoyed by it. I almost appointed me and the wife almost gave up on it after two episodes. I'm going, I don't think they're going to find this guy. I think this is. I don't think because no one's talking like they found him. Yeah. And it felt like that. And I'm going, I think we're going to get to the end of this third episode. And I think we're going to find out they still don't know. And it did. And I was like, I'm pissed off. I feel like I wasted three hours watching this shit. Similarly, um, Lorraine was watching one the other day that I just kind of caught a couple of minutes of. But it was one about 
the British family that was killed in France a few years ago. The one we're yes. about. Uh-huh. And again, it's it's two hours, two episodes of, of you know this and that, and it's like yeah, but who done it? Ah, uh-huh. do you know what I mean? So yeah, you, you've got all this, but you know, ultimately, who who done it? Do you know what I mean? It's... Aye, it seems like the, I'm sure like one out Netflix recently, like there was a Madeline McCann one that happened recently. You know, it was mm-hmm. a Netflix yeah. one. Uh-huh. Who's watching that? There's, you know, there's no conclusion to it. So what are you watching? Yeah. What, what are you trying to figure out here? Problem with these is everything, all, all the content they're spouting out is stuff that you've heard in the news, you've read in the newspaper, you know already that's the problem. And they have then they're stretching it out that yeah, it's like 40 minutes worth of material there. And that you know, they just pad it, pad it, and they have the same fucking points of view over and over. Uh, it's really interesting enough to, to, to hold me for three hours. Um, yeah. Yeah, and but I still know the you know the podcast universe is still massive for like um, these murder stories and these like mysteries. Yeah. So they're, yeah. they're easy fodder, and people yeah. everyone wants it. And I think it's annoying. I think everybody wants to make their one kind of weird story into a, a nine episode podcast. And sometimes not everything deserves a nine episode podcast. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. You know, there's nothing wrong with you know. Here's the facts in thirty minutes, and yeah, we don't know what happens. You know, yeah. Remember that one we watched? I don't know if you watched the one about the, the guy who was up for a murder charge. And the way he got off of it was because there was a filming of Curb Your Enthusiasm at Yankee Stadium that day, or Dodger Stadium, and they managed to capture him on film to prove that he wasn't at the murder scene. Yeah. Right? So they have to try and figure it out as to like where the guy was. And it's 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 40 minutes long. Mm. Utterly compelling for 40 minutes. But you don't need to make that into a five-part series. It was just, yeah. It's an interesting 40 minute go. That's really intriguing. That's a genuinely interesting story. And it's like how this guy off and how even when they could see him at it, that didn't prove he wasn't there. They had to maybe prove that was actually him because yeah. he could look like someone else and they had people saying he was at this crime. So it was just, again, like just an interesting 40 minutes of the justice system. But I think the, the, the problem just now is, it, it, you, you said a few minutes ago, is these podcasts, they're pop culture just now. That oh, they yeah. are, you know, they're embedded at the moment and it's going to be, I think we've got another good four or five years before it starts to to fizzle away to whatever you know replaces it. But yeah, I don't, I don't see them. If anything, I think it's going to get worse and worse. And yeah. saturation point of you know it's, it's all nonsense now. But it's getting um, the point. I'm listening to podcasts like say about something, and then I listen to another one, and it, the same stories pop up again, but in a different guys. Yeah. You know, yeah. I'm like going. You know, one tweets one tweets in about a comedy, one one tweets it very seriously, and I'm like, that's the same fucking story. Why do I know this story? As you said as well, the point is is to find your, you know, to find that one thing and and do that that no one else has done. And if they're all starting to do the same thing, then yeah, it's you know, it's just becoming a shit show. Unfortunately, says me and you are doing one of the five million movie podcasts that are on the internet. Yeah, but ours is um, ours is different. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's different. Colin, we're going to talk about a film that I guarantee you no one has fucking watched because they shouldn't watch it, and that is a film called The Man from Toronto, um, which is which is on Netflix right now, released <laughs> on Netflix last week, directed by Patrick Hughes, who directed the films The Expendables and The Hitman's Bodyguards One and Two, um, which were out recently. Um, the plot of this film, for what it's worth, is a. <laughs> um, a couple are going to sort of rekindle the marriage by going up to sort of a, a cabin. Um, yeah. This cabin is supposedly going to be... He, he, goes, he goes to the wrong address and they start thinking he is the, like the world's most notorious hitman. Yeah. Um, the world's most notorious hitman is annoyed at this because he wants the prize for himself. So he comes after that 
hitman to try and kill him to stop him from pretending to be the most notorious hitman. But at yeah. the same time, something happens where they have a sort of buddy comedy element where they're now going to try and take down the bad guy who's trying to take them both down. Yeah, that bit right. Yeah, in a nutshell, yeah, pretty, yeah. pretty much summed it up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's it is a messy plot. Um, it's a very messy plot. So in that film, you've got Kevin Hart plays a man who's not a hitman. Um, Woody Harrelson plays a hitman that Kevin Hart is um, mistaken for. Um, also in the film, you've got in a very bizarre role is Kaylee Coco from Big Bang and from The Flight Attendant. Yeah, and you've got Gian Giancarlo Santaro, um, Alessandro De Hoyes, Rob Barcher, and Martin Roach. As well, so um, a lot of you know, not not maybe you sort of know sort of names and people people you might recognise from TV, but not sort of household a names. A lot of Netflix names in there, show us. Well, Netflix names, yeah. But <laughs> Kevin Hart, Woody Harrelson are the two big draws of this, being as they are. Um, I'll start on this one, and I will say this film feels about twenty years old. There is not like a single original idea that comes in in two hours. Like every action scene basically feels like they've taken other action scenes from other movies and just try to sort of. Yeah. patch what them together to make it feel original. You go, I, there's, there's nothing in this felt in any way sort of like you're, you're trying to be interesting or different. It just felt all the same no, stuff. It's entirely safe. You know, it's tried and tested the whole formula. Um, uh-huh. Every scene, you know, they're all, they're all shot in the most safe possible. Mundane way. Like, even actually seen it, like the action scene at like the sort of fancy ball when it's sliding down the curtain or onto the chandelier, you go, I have seen this a hundred times before. Jackie Chan's done every stunt you've seen in that movie. Um, oh. and, better. and Jackie Chan done it in a one take. He didn't do it with yeah. fifteen different, you know, fifteen different yeah. edits to try and pull it off. Yeah. Um, I thought Hart and Harrelson, there are a wee bit of chemistry between them. Not a lot, I'm afraid, but they did feel they were both sleepwalking through it. Like they didn't really have much to them because they're both very compelling. I, I actually quite like Kevin Hart. Um, yeah, when he's, 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 he's on form, he's on form for sure. Yeah, Woody is always fantastic. He's always got the Woody Harrelson effect, and I yeah. always find Woody very charming. Um, and he's he's still very watchable as an actor. The Kaylee Coco role that felt she was like fourth billing in this essentially. You horned in, so there was there was a point a thankless pointless role that she. Did. I'm not a massive fan of her, but she deserves better than what she was given. She that. plays the wife's best friend. Yeah. It's just such yeah. a bizarre role. She's not, she's not even playing the wife. She's playing the wife's best and friend. She's, she's in it for literally, what, I would say, five minutes. Five maybe. minutes. That felt yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, that, that being said, there's no female role in this of any note. Like, no one has actually any sort of, you know, promise in this. Yeah. I just thought it was completely devoid of any charm. The lackluster set pieces, story barely holds itself for, like, the two hours yeah. it's on for. And it just, it is, like, the prime example of, like, Netflix disposable fodder. It's like, it's almost, it's just, it's, it'll, be there, it'll be on the top 10 for the next week and then it'll disappear and you'll never see it again. It's yeah, just, it's just there. Absolutely. Um, not as, not as quite as harsh as you in some aspects, but most on ours. Um, I thought, uh, yeah, I like Woody Harrelson a lot um, yep. and I do enjoy Kevin Hart um, when he's been feeling Kevin Hart. I didn't think they worked as well together as you seem to. Um, no, I don't, I don't think, well, I think they had a slight bit of chemistry, not a lot, a slight bit of chemistry. What this needed was the rock or Jason Statham, maybe. I just yeah, think I, I, can, I can sense that more. Like, I can sense that more, yeah. Yeah, I, th- I think that would have made a better movie having one of those but then, two. But then who do you have? Oh, you mean playing off each other or, or one of them different? No, so so um, the rock in the house and roll or Statham in the house and roll, I think would have been a lot better. I just don't think Harrison, I don't know, he, he didn't seem to fit the role for me at all. I'm, I'm not against what you're saying. I think he did seem yeah. like he was... I'm not saying he's badly cast because like Woody Harrelson's a very good actor. So he's very, yeah. really badly cast in anything. 
Yeah. But it felt like he had no interest in it. That's what yeah. I felt. That's what I got from it. He just didn't feel like he wanted yeah. to be there. He didn't feel engaged yeah. enough when I was watching yeah. it. That's what I felt more. Um, I think... I think I maybe got one inner chuckle throughout the full movie. And bear in mind, this is a comedy and Kevin Hart can make you laugh. Um, but I think there was maybe one wee bit where I kind of had a, you know, maybe a silent chuckle to myself. And, and that was it. It was just, it was, everything is telegraphed so much that, you know, when it does land, it's like it's like dad jokes almost. Do you know what I mean? It's you like, see the stuff like, the, like they're in the bathroom at one point and he's sewing his trousers, he's fixing his trousers and, he, yeah. he's on his, and the guy walks in, he's like, and he's sort of like, oh my God. And he walks out and going, yeah. making like fucking like, gay jokes and like that at the point and now it's like feels that feels something like like literally yeah. 90s you know felt like that kind of movie um the, the director the, the other two films you mentioned was the hitman's bodyguard wife in the sequel <laughs> again not fantastic movies either though They're no very, but they have one thing going from which is they have the real charm of like say ryan reynolds yeah you also have salma hayek in those you have sam jackson chemistry's there at least yes that pulled it through a little bit more Mm -hmm. yeah yeah but i don't think it was i don't think it was dreadful Um, i think it was was just a a very average you know like kind of watch it be done with don't care about afterwards and as you say in two weeks time it'll be you know another forgotten netflix project um um but yeah, I, I think I maybe enjoyed it slightly more than you, but by, by no means did it, did it, you know, particularly cheer me up or make me feel oh. happy. <laughs> it has, it has, I think it seems like it should be a good Friday night movie. Yeah, yeah. You know, and I think, you know, I think the problem was with it, they played it safe. They went for a PG 12. See if you make that film in 18, you could do so much more with it. Make it oh. solid. Appeal to yeah, that. Bad boys with stuff for that, but yeah, it was really watered down, wasn't it? There was yeah. well again, which is weird because as you say, they're, they're you know they're sniggering at the kind of gay jokes and stuff like that, but, but you know they're scared to put in anything that's that's kind of edgy, uh-huh. um, you know, other, other than childish humour. You know I mean? Yeah, there's a couple of fart jokes as well, maybe. Like I, you know, what I mean, stuff like that. Um, it just yeah, on paper it should have been a lot better than it was, but I do think it would have been a better film without Harrison in it, but not because Harrison's a bad actor or anything. No, just, he's not a bad actor, but it maybe miscast yeah, slightly in this. Out of ten, what would you give it, sir? Um, a three out of ten. Yeah, not too bad actually. I, I gave it a five because okay. you know, total middle of the roads, fucking nonsense, pretty much. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, next film is one called Press Play, which is on Amazon Prime, um, mm. directed by Greg Bjorkman. It's his debut feature. Um, thought of this film, it's quite an interesting one, or an intriguing idea, where there's a couple fall in love, everything looks great, everything looks happy. Um, the guy owns a record store and he also likes to inherit mixtapes um, yeah. from people. Um, they're making up a mixtape. While they're, while they're doing that, essentially, he dies. Um, yeah. And she discovers that the mixtape he's got, every time she plays a song from it, it transports her, her back in time to the moment that we're making to listen to that song. Yeah. Um, and she basically tries to use that time to convince him to not die. But we have a kind of final destination situation where every time she tells him, like, don't do this on this date, she'll, it, it'll happen anyway by some yeah, other means. Yeah. So she's trying to you find know, a way. You can't, you can't beat fate. You can't cheat death. As Tony Todd tells us, yeah. you know, you can't cheat death. Um, yes. So, and, and you always go by what Tony Todd says. <laughs> so, so the film is basically her trying to figure a way out to try and basically get information to him that can cause him not to die and they can live a happily live after yeah. in life. Yeah. Um, not a big cast of people you know. You've got, well, Clara Rugard plays the sort of the female lead who I, I don't really know for much. much in- no, I don't either, actually. I feel uh, she, she had a familiarity, but then when I looked up her, her kind of profile, I was like, ah, didn't recognize her at all. Yeah, 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 I'm the same. Um, Lewis Pullman, who we do know from Top Gun recently, um, yeah. also as 
Bill's son, and he has Thank got you. the pullmanness about him. Yeah, yes, yes. You've also got Danny Glover popping up in it, which is yes. always very charming. Um, Matt Walsh, Christina Chung as well, and Lakiria Okano um, is playing the sister of Lewis Pullman. Um, what do you think of it? Um, I enjoyed it a lot more than I thought I was going to. Yeah. I think, in essence, it's, it's a time travel love story. Yeah, essentially, um, yes. Is what it is. And we, we both like time travel. Um, I do enjoy time travel movies. I'm, I'm okay with a bit of mush now and again. I don't, I don't As am I. Yeah, mushy, um, you know, kind of love romance and stuff like that. Yes. I thought, um, Pullman, I thought was, he, he's a very charming actor. I've really not seen him in much, but in that, he's really endearing. And, you know, you warrant him so, so quickly. Um, he's such a likeable film. Remember, his dad was in um, While You Were Sleeping. Mm, yeah. So his dad's got that kind of, he can be romantic lead as well. So his dad's got that about him as well. But he's just, he's just so, so likeable. You know, he's so yes, amiable. Yes. You just, you're just kind of drawn to him and you're like, you know, he's, he's a lovely guy. You know, yes. let's see nothing bad happens to him during this film. Um, Which it does repeatedly. <laughs> um, the, the girl lead, I thought she was fine as well. So yes. I'm not saying much, but, you know, a role was serviceable. Well, the rest of the cast were all a bit throwaway, apart from Danny. Um, you know, Danny. Yeah, he's kind of throwaway, but yeah, still Danny Glover. He, he done. He did, but the rest of them, you're just like, you know, anyone could have ticked that that, that yeah. part. To, you know, pick an actor and throw them in there, and, and and they'll do because they didn't have much to do, I guess. Um, you know, no. the were Danny, um, the girl, and and Lewis. Um, what I didn't enjoy about it was I thought the music choice was. That was my biggest thing. Like, I think if you're going to have a film where, the, where it's all about mixtapes and music's got to be so punked, you've got to pump into it and you've got to really connect with it. I cannot tell you a single song in this film that the actually. Same, it yeah. was all this kind of floaty, like reverb, echoey music. That, and it, it, obviously, there's a theme there as well, and the director's obviously got their own musical taste, but yeah. I t- the music just didn't. And I guess they're not thinking with this Colin Richard, like, you know, we're not fucking Beavis and Butthead, they're not pandering to, to our taste, but. No. The music just seemed very soft and light and just kind of fluffy for, you know, what, what the movie was. I was expecting a better soundtrack. You want a, I think when you, I think you have a film that's based around a soundtrack, you have to essentially make that soundtrack a banger to make the point yeah. people actually remember it. You know, uh-huh. Nick and Nora's Infinite Playlist and stuff like that, you have to make it to the point where that becomes something that, that matters in the film. And yeah. you remember, because, like, I don't remember a single song. I know, more importantly, I don't remember a song in it. They go, oh, that refers to this moment in the film. You don't ever really get that. I'm trying to find the, the playlist. It's not a band I've heard of at all. No, uh, I was the same. But then again, I'm well, old. I don't really yeah, know the bands. Not a single song, but, but as you say, you know, the music can, can make or break it. And I think in this one, I mean... The film itself was good enough that, you know, I, I was invested beyond just the soundtrack. So, you know, yeah. it didn't really break it. But, um, yeah, I, I was expecting, you know, more music. Do you know what I mean? Like Under the Bridge or something like that from Chili Even Peppers. do the Stranger Things thing and find, like, an old classic that people have forgotten about, you know, like they've done with um, Running Up That Hill, the, you know, the Kate yeah. Bush song. Yeah. Find something that's from the past. Maybe, yeah. maybe it's a budgetary thing, but it was made for Amazon, so I can't imagine Amazon's get budget issues, really. Yeah, it must be like so small. But again, maybe it's just that's the, the director's choice. Why should every song have to be a Springsteen song or a Pearl Jam song? It doesn't have it, to always be it, that. It wasn't even, sometimes, like, when you see stuff like this, it'll introduce you to music, and you're yes. like, I like that. This no. music, I was just, I don't care about this music at all. It's just not anything that I'd ever care to listen to again. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. No, no. And I don't even think it's, I don't even think they my taste. Like, I just don't think it's just none of the songs actually stood out as being interesting. No, again, to, yeah, to there's the nothing memorable. And that, that would have been a, 
big part. You know what I mean? Is to have that one song that you know you're you're hooked and you're like, no, that made the film almost, and that's yeah. what you know brought it back round. But yeah, it didn't work. But um, I, I did enjoy the, the time travel part of it was actually quite well done. Um, yeah, no issue with that at all. A bit lazy with the very last song. I thought awesome. that was a bit. No, come on. Um, you know, not everything needs a happy ending, shall we say? Um, I thought they could have left that out, maybe. Um, I just Possibly, thought, yes. Yeah, a bit of a kind of cheap way of giving it, you know, the, the soppy ending. But I guess it is that. It's a romantic kind of comedy. And I think we all saw the soppy ending coming a mile away as well. So it's yeah. just not, not uncommon. Yeah, um, but no, I, I did like, you know, seeing, you know, she'd go back to convince him and it doesn't work. And it was just interesting to see, you know, try again, try yeah. again, try again. And some of it was quite shocking. Like, um, I, I don't know how much I'm going to spoil it here. I won't, but I think it's when she went back the third time and it was just that line. She's like, you never broke up with me. And it was, uh-huh. it was like such a heartfelt delivery uh-huh. it just the interchange and it was, you proper felt melancholy like, oh my god do you know what I mean like you're like, and you kind of he's telling you why and she's you know and you, you kind of bite it by the both of it so it was a proper really sad moment I was it's like, nice, oh. and the nice conceit like essentially when you when she goes back in time she basically inhabits the body of her former self for about yeah. the length of the song but when yeah. she comes out that when, when the song ends her old her present or past person becomes in charge of that body again so if I tell you to break up with me yeah then the person does it, and then the person like doesn't have any recollection of you being told this by yourself. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah. it's, it's very trippy. I mean, it's, it's, like I said, the time travel aspect had, had nice ideas, and yeah. time travel film is something that actually has openness for romantic. You know, Groundhog Day is quite a, is a romantic film, kind at heart. Yeah. Even yeah. recently, you've had something like Palm Springs, which is quite a romantic film, it's, and also mm-hmm. the map of tiny perfect things. Have you seen that one? No, no. It's on no. Amazon as well. Look, look it up really sweet as well. You know, there is as element of um, about time as well. The one with. Um, yeah. Donald Gleeson and Margot mm-hmm. Robbie and stuff like that. Yeah. It's got the, the premise of time travel. Something can be a bit creepy, you know, using it to get nefarious things, you know, get your way sometimes. But yeah. generally, it can, be, it can be used and actually done quite well. And I'm kind of like yourself, but it's, it's a sweet idea. It committed to it pretty well, and it, the, yeah. the, the song just didn't burst out for me. That made it really tough to sort of get the kind of emotional impact behind it. Yeah. Proman, a lot of charm. Hope he does more stuff in the future. Hope he, you know, builds on his career that he's got yeah. us now. Got she seemed a bit hamstrung by quite a weak script. Some of the dialogue she gives is quite insane to try and make it feel like one of the key fucking elements and one of the, the exciting moments in this film revives around the fact that she's a millennial who doesn't understand things need batteries. That seemed a bit fucking insane to me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, whereas Danny was like, fucking hell. Batteries. It'll be at one point, I swear to God, at one point she actually YouTubes how to rewind the tape. Remember? Yeah, which again, I'm like, no, man. It's, I kind of get my kids not knowing how to do that, but, you know, anyone over the age of 20, if they don't know how to do that... They've never had one. They'd probably figure it out by having to YouTube yeah. it. <laughs> um, what I did enjoy was it did stick to... It's real. Well, yeah. yeah, which is, is kind of nice to see, that, you know, it, it never... You know, kind of yeah. like a solid idea, and it was like, you know, keep within these rails and, and we'll be fine. And time travel, we all know, is obviously impossible as far as we know. Mm-hmm. But as long as you stick to your role within that film, then I'm okay with you using time travel. But you have to stick to you can't just change it at the last minute to try and make your story make sense. And interestingly, just, um, after watching it, I did look up some reviews for it, and it's it's not getting a lot of love reviews wise. Um, quite yeah. like, kind of very, very mediocre have reviews with a lot of people just saying it, you know, it's just absolute throwaway nonsense and you know terribly written and stuff like that which I thought was a bit harsh of people harsh. based on that what are you giving out of 10? 7 out of 10 that's exceptionally good I'm giving that 5 it's very much I, I, I really enjoyed it See, the music was off putting but other than that I, I can as I say I thought there was a lot of, it had a lot of heart in it some of the scenes in it were proper you know engaging and you felt 
for the the characters, you know, you you it, it kind of brought you into their, their predicament, and you know, you did you you emoted with them, and yeah, I, I kind of got it. I think, yeah, I enjoyed it a lot, lot more than I was expecting. So, Next yeah. one. I'm surprised, but well done, Colin. Hey, okay, I'm going to stop now so we get the next... Um... So that's right, Colin, so on to our third film of the night. So um, it's the one cinematic release we're going to talk about this week, and that is Elvis, directed yes. by Baz Luhrmann, who directed oh, such oh. things as Romeo and Juliet, oh, Strictly Ballroom, Moulin Rouge, Australia, and the almost unwatchable Great Gatsby recently. That was his last film, I think, in 2014, I think, 2016. It's been a while since he's done a film, I think. Um the plot of this film, it's essentially an Elvis biopic. It's yeah. sort of tracks Elvis from his early days all the way through to his you know, eventual death after, you know, it, yeah. it, like, demise, yeah. Was it 40 or something he died? 36, 37? Uh, like he's young. 37, 38. Ah, he's, he's young. Um, interesting, it's taken from the point of view of his manager and confidant, the Colonel, um, who was very famous as being the man always Elvis' business manager. And yes. essentially, it's almost him having a fever dream as he's about to die, looking back on his life. Um, and and how people sort of perceive him um, as Elvis, you know, because it, it, it potentially came out that he was taking advantage of Elvis in a big way, and it's sort of him yeah, sort of almost yeah. trying to rewrite the history of his involvement with, with Elvis. Elvis. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So in the film, you've got Austin Butler playing te- uh, playing Elvis, but it's essentially it, it's almost a co-lead because he's not quite the lead. But, you know, it's an Elvis biopic because you get Tom Hanks um, playing the Colonel, who is essentially the lead of the film. Um, you also got Olivia De Jong who plays Priscilla. Uh-huh. Presley. Uh huh. And you've got Cody Smith McPhee popping up in it as well, and David Wenham, and a bunch of other people randomly yeah. appearing as well. A lot of Australian so, actors. So we both saw this at the cinema. Uh, uh, it felt very cinematic. It felt big. It was, yeah, yeah. I mean, it was a spectacle. Um, yeah. It was eye candy, you know, it was all wow, you know, it did feel like a big Hollywood movie. Yeah. yeah, visually quite inventive for the biopic because I'd rule worries this could just be a sort of almost Bohemian Rhapsody, which mm. quite frankly was atrociously bad. Yeah, um, this is definitely not that. It's, it does mm. keep the tropes to some degree. You know, there is there is a lot of tropes in there, but it's definitely a lot more watchable just because yeah. I think Baz Luhrmann is a more inventive director than um, the people who directed uh, the Bohemian Rhapsody film. Interesting to see Hanks in a villainous role. Almost well. I guess that's debatable because you know it's like yeah, someone's been bad as opposed to someone being evil. Um, I, yeah. I guess. Um, what I did think though um, was it was a caricature almost. Well, I don't know much about the Colonel. Was it a caricature of it? I've seen. I don't know much about the Colonel, but I, I have seen since watching the film a couple of videos with the Colonel, and right. I don't believe he had the crazy. Accent and stuff on it. Um, I'm okay with the accent because the accent was consistent throughout. So as long as you oh, keep no, it, I'm it okay. was consistent, but yeah. And when you're watching it, because you know, if, if you don't know, then but after when you hear him, you're like, wait a minute, he doesn't he didn't sound like that? Um, yeah, you know, so I, I don't know if it was a, a choice or you know, to, to kind of give it a, a, an evilness. I don't, I don't know. Um, yeah, because everyone it, knows Dutch are evil. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I, I didn't actually know that much about Colonel. I know who, I knew who he was, and he was Elvis' manager. Um, yeah. And he'd fucked him over, but I didn't kind of realise the, the the scale of it um, yeah. and how Machiavellian it could have been. Um, so that that was quite revealing in that. So um, I've not heard much pushback from any estates saying this is wrong, which is interesting. Yeah, I think um, overall I was reading um, some comments from the, the Presley family and I think all of them are unanimously saying that, you know, the, the portrayals are pretty much spot on, you know, right, like, okay. like Parker was in 
Butler in particular, that they're all saying, "Wow, he was." What we're going to get to? Austin Butler yeah, as Elvis yeah. is phenomenal as Elvis. He really does. He uh, nails that character perfectly. Absolutely. I think my brother Andy. I said to him, "Are you going to go and see this?" And he's like, "No," because I don't think he looks like Elvis. And I'm like, "Yeah, he doesn't. But he doesn't have to." He gets and the attitude right. He gets. He gets who Elvis is. Yeah. When when you watch him, you. you you know, it becomes Elvis, you know. It, you can see why they're, like, when he starts to do the stuff that Elvis does that drive people crazy, you can understand why women lost their shit when you see him do certain things. You go, he, he, yeah. is, this, he is, like, sort of just, like, almost, like, raw sexuality on, like, on stage in a time when that wasn't a thing. You can see why it would, yeah. all these kind of buttoned-up 1950s, 1960s women who have, like, not had any experience of anything like that, all of a sudden see this guy doing what he does, like, it's sort yeah. of like, holy fuck, you know, it's like... I mean, I, I was a fan of Elvis anyway, but yeah. did it give you an appreciation of Elvis? Um, I'm not sure. I think I look at the... Unfortunately, I'm, I'm a bit of a music philistine in some ways. Like that. I, I appreciate who these people are, but I'm not still not a huge fan. I appreciate that Elvis was a showman. I appreciate the showman elements of it. And, and I appreciate what him doing that opened up for other things. You know, it allowed, you know, other acts to almost not quite fall in the footsteps, but it, it allowed the op- that kind of open way of performing to be more allowed. Or sort of, it opened the door for a lot of people. Yeah. Um, he's, I mean, he's still, when you listen to him sing, he's got a hell of a, he has got a hell of a voice. Oh, yeah, um, those pipes are fucking amazing. Yeah, yeah and um, I enjoy the fact that it, it, it touches on it quite a fair bit in the film, actually, like the idea that he was combining, you know, sort of the kind of blues music with sort of like the African-American church revival, essentially. Yeah, he he was taking genres and, you know, picking what he wanted from it, definitely. Did he have an original song? Were all his songs just old songs he sort of repurposed, essentially? He never wrote a song of his own, ever. Did he not? He never sung. No, I really didn't write a song of his own, but was any songs wrote for him that weren't already in sort of the public domain? I think think so, yeah. I think a lot of the kind of movie songs and stuff like that, they were all original songs. Um, I think stuff like, like kind of hound dog and stuff like that is is lifted from you know like kind of blues and stuff like that. Um, I like kind of old spirituals and stuff like that. A lot of that yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, apparently I think he did kind of not boast about it once, but I think he'd said more once that he'd never ever written a song of his own at all. Um, so everything he sang was was written by other people. Uh, Joe Springsteen wrote a song for him once. Did he? Which one? Fire. Oh, have I heard fire? I'm not sure. Yeah, you listen to it. You can you listen. You go. I can hear. I can hear what he's. Um, why it would be a an Elvis song? Yeah. Um, also, what I found really impressive because um, I'm a musician as well, so I mean, so I do kind mm. of play. I'm not a great singer, but I do have a kind of knowledge in a near for sure. Um, mm. But apparently, it was Austin Butler. He was all the young Elvis stuff. That was him singing. Yeah. Um, the the kind of older Elvis did they, they done a mix of his voice yes. and the real Elvis voice. But Jesus, man, that that boy. Can sing as he well. He can sing as well, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, wow. um, honestly, his performance, I think, I want to see, I think it was either Lisa Marie or the granddaughter said that he needs to get an Oscar for it. Again, I mean, I'm, I'm not against that idea. He, is, he does embody the Elvis role. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I'm not questioning his performance. I think it's a great performance. He, he definitely brings Elvis and you watch me, he does feel like Elvis. The, the stuff on like the, the comeback show, um, I thought was excellent yeah. in particular. Um, yeah. What I, would, I did think, like any biography, when the families are involved, it does sort of spin over some of the darker elements of Elvis's um, life. You know, his. I was going to go there with you. I was going to say uh, this wasn't a Watson Hall biopic. And if anyone's expecting that, they will be bitterly disappointed. It is yeah. very much Elvis Light. Um, Elvis is a hero. And Elvis is always a hero. You know, it doesn't yeah. touch the phone, the part, you know, the, the idea that 
you know, just how old Priscilla was when they got together. Yeah. It doesn't really touch yeah. upon that, for example. That. Even the drugs to an extent is smoothed over and the lifestyle, do you know what I mean? Stuff like that. Um, there's a, yeah, it is filmed through the eyes of someone who quite clearly loves Elvis as well. Yes. And and yeah. in a way there's nothing wrong with that. This is maybe a yeah. good for me personally watching it, I'm not as big an Elvis fan as you. It's a jumping off point that I can because in fact my knowledge of Elvis was on the is it, it's not the Ed Sullivan show, but the one he's you know, the, the um the Forrest Gump moment when he's on the TV show and he's yeah. taking mm-hmm. his legs yeah. and then fat Elvis at the end when he dies yeah. at Vegas. I remember I can remember watching videos that my grandpa was a fan of Elvis. Mm-hmm. I have no, I had very little knowledge of what happened in between. Yeah, uh, and yeah, this is me gateway to that. And to say it's done in a way that is accessible for, for everyone. Do you know what I mean? If if you know about Elvis, you might think I want more. Um, yeah, but it's, it's again, I mean, I, I like Elvis, and I, I I enjoyed it for what it was. Um, I, what I did enjoy, interestingly, was um, I've ashamedly never seen a Baz Luhrmann film. Really, I, I know obviously who has yeah. movies are. I've seen clips and stuff, but I've never seen a Baz Luhrmann film until now. Wow. Um, and he, he, the energy that he's got, and yeah, his, brings, I like his, the fact. Some people don't like, it, but I like the fact they puts new music into period. I was going to I enjoy say, that. The mixing of the music, it, it works in a insanely good way. Do you know what I mean, it's, yeah. you know these, you know, like, like fucking naughty's hip hop beats coming at you. Do you know what I mean, and then Elvis breaking out, and you're like, yeah. wow, man. It, it, but that scene when he's running downtown, he's trying to get into the club, and he's yeah. sort of like working the way through the crowds. I thought that, that had like sort of a, a hip hop song to the background. I thought it was really awesome. He does yeah. it really well in um, Milan Rouge. It's sort of the big yeah. one he does it in. Um, doesn't great Gatsby as well. But I, I thought Great Gatsby was a terrible movie. I really couldn't get behind it at all. Romeo and Juliet. He does it. It's not a period piece, but it's like obviously done with a period dialogue. But he does mm-hmm. use his music that in a phenomenal way as well. Yeah, um, yeah. So he, he is a guy who's a bit like you know the kind of like your Cameron Crowe, like has a real ear for music and Tarantino yeah. in that way. He, music drives the scene as much as anything else. Yeah. But just the energy and the camera work and stuff like yeah. that as well, though, and the imagery, it, it doesn't, I mean, it's a biopic, it's not exactly, unless you're making a biopic about fucking, you know, Bruce Lee or something, you know, it's hard to kind of make, to take take you away with it and, you know, keep mm. you engaged, but it, it doesn't, I mean, there are times over two hours for this. Two hours, but I would say as well, it does, it spends a lot of time on the front half of Elvis, like it runs, yeah. like the, the early yeah. Elvis runs for a good chunk of it, the middle Elvis is like maybe about a third of that, and then the finale Elvis it's quite brief. It sort of really rattles through to the end. Intentional? Do, do people want to dwell on that? Well, that's, what was, that's what I thought. It's like we all know the end of Elvis. You know, the man dies yeah. in the toilet, fat, overweight, and sort of like had a really bad ending. And, and you know, so it's sort of like, do you really need to see that? You know, the, the interesting point of what is is the groundbreaking thing that he was. You know, this guy who kind of bust through, and it's, yeah. it's really interesting to see and interesting to watch. Do you know the only place in Britain that Elvis came to? Scotland. What? It was what? Scotland. Do you know where in Scotland it was? <sighs> When is he Presswick? It was Presswick Airport. Well done, sir. So when he was flying year or two from Germany. Germany. Yeah. yeah. But you know, it's not his idea that this guy is so like he is like like probably the ultimate superstar. Like there's no there's really yeah, yeah. no one in comparison. That yeah. there's a plaque in Presswick Airport that was dedicated to this moment when he was there for literally what, footstep. forty <laughs> minutes and then he flew out again. It's like that. Yeah. To, to the idea that was that they have to um, mark that in I, some ways is absolutely insane. I didn't realize. Um, because I, I mean, I like his music and stuff, but I've, I, you know, I'm not an official where I know everything about him. I, I didn't realize that he, he, he'd never toured outside the US, that that came as quite a, a shock. Oh, yeah. I was like, wow, and I guess stuff like that, and it, it goes into why, do you know what I mean? Yeah. But, um, it, yeah, it, it kind of makes you see how shitty the manager was. Do you know yeah. what I mean? um, as I say, I'm not entirely convinced the manager was an 
evil person, greedy, yeah. Um, selfish, and, and yeah, he saw he, he, he talks about it in the film that he he came from the Carney shows, he came from the yeah. idea that you're sort of looking for this one big score, and he saw Elvis as his yeah. his one big score, and that's what he, he saw this opportunity and he took it. He took it in a bad way. Obviously, he, he exploited someone to the point of like to absolutely make their life a misery to, to a certain degree, you know, and killed him much, basically yeah. killed him because of that. But I don't know if he was evil, if, like you said, maybe greedy and greed overtook his compassion in many ways. Sense of morality, possibly. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, for the most part, I enjoyed this film. It is a big cinematic experience, and I really enjoyed it in the cinema. Saw it in the big, massive super screen as well, which has a really good really good. And I'm glad I did. Uh-huh. Um, the extra £2.50. You see it at <laughs> that, that size. Um, I would give it a very solid 7 out of 10. Exactly what I gave it as well. A very, very solid 7. Um, I'd have liked to have maybe seen it dabbling a wee bit into the darker side. But yes, not- I think... I don't want to see Elvis dying in the toilet. That's not what I mean. I just mean kind of, you know, dipping a, a bit little, more. Not be, I, give, give us something that tells us that Elvis wasn't this perfect being who just got a wee bit angry now and again. There's a lot yeah. more to him than that. If, uh, if Bohemian Raps is at one end of the biopic of like he's been purely just like pandering to the artists and yeah. let's say Bohemian Rap, not Bohemian Raps, the Rocket Man's at the other end of that where they have a bit more darker side, this yeah. is probably bang in the middle. Yeah, absolutely. And um, absolutely phenomenal, phenomenal job by Austin Butler. Um, mm. it, it honestly wouldn't have thought. If you'd said to me a year and a half ago, this boy could play Elvis and smash it, I'd have been no, no canny, but Jesus Christ, what balls out performance. Um, it's, it's, a, it's a 10 out of 10 performance. Yeah, and to, to get endorsements from, as I say, like, kind of, you know, the, like, the, the, the daughter, the granddaughter, and I think one of the other relatives, you know, were all saying he was amazing. I think the granddaughter said she cried pretty much every time Aww. he was memories and stuff like that so to, to kind of you know evoke those kind of emotions from the nearest and dearest is testament to his performance absolutely flawless um i think it, it definitely get a nod anyway whether we get to Oscar remains to be seen but i think we'll get a nod for that oh yeah a nod yes yeah. um on from that last film of the week you've not seen it i have a very quick on it it's called cha-cha real smooth I want, I'm really intrigued by this, but just the name sounds brilliant. Directed by Cooper Rafe, who directed a film called Freshman Year, which is also known as Shithouse um, a few years ago, which is actually a very funny film. Um, this is on Apple Plus, and the plot of this film is since it's a guy who's sort of a bit of a down and out. He's, sort of, he's, a, he's a, a good-hearted man, but he just really can't catch a break. Um, but he gets a job basically being essentially a party star at Bar Mitzvahs. So Bar Mitzvahs always need this sort of like the idea like they're always scared to go up on the dance floor and get a party going, but this is Bar Mitzvahs is a big big event in sort of like the Jewish yeah. calendar. Yeah. His job is to go in and get, just get the kids pumped up and get it all going and that's the idea. <laughs> well so going. singer, but for Jewish Kind of, a wee bit, yeah. Well, at this, he meets a woman who's who he gets on with. She's an autistic daughter, but he's on very well with the autistic daughter as well. And she starts to see sort of a lot of things, and you know, this guy who's really friendly to his daughter and sort of like, you know, she connects with him as well. And he starts to develop feelings for the mother, and um, but she's got a, a husband or a, a fiance and she's committed to him, but she's not giving out the signals of, I've got a fiance, leave me alone. It's very much of, hey, hey, like this things could happen. And it's sort of this, will they, won't they, will they, won't they, should they, shouldn't they type romance against the backdrop of this guy just trying to sort his life out. He's a lot younger than her as well. And it's just, it's not a lot younger, but maybe he's like early 20s, she's maybe like early 30s type thing, you know, one of those kind of things. Um, and it's just her trying to sort of hit them, him trying to sort his life out and figure out what's going on. It's a, quite a quite a soft, gentle movie it's, for that aspect. Who's in it? Anyone of note? You've got Dakota Johnson, isn't it? She plays oh, a mother. Okay. Um, right. She has got a chaotic energy that I am very much intrigued by. There's something about Dakota Johnson. She, she, she seems like she's... She's definitely the daughter of two movie stars. You can tell that because she's got this sort of like 
she doesn't live in a plane of existence that any of us live on, but she's just real chaotic energy. I'm kind of all behind and I'm kind of very intrigued by her in a very odd way. Yeah. Um, you've also got um, Cooper Rafe, who directs the film and writes it. He's also the, the lead actor yeah, in it as well, so making his own thing. Um, Vanessa Bergat, Bergat plays the daughter. Um, you've got Leslie Mann playing the mother of Cooper Rafe, but she seems far too young to be his mother. I mean, I'll be honest, yeah. Leslie Mann looks phenomenal. Um, and Brad Garrett, He's um, oh, right, okay, really, Brad. Yeah, he's in um, everyone loves Raymond, does the voices yeah. in Star Wars and does yeah. one of the voices in Casper. He's in it, he plays the dad of or the stepdad yeah. of Cooper Reeve. He's, he's massive, that man. He's a giant, he's like six foot nine or something. This deep, massive he's, voice, he's, he's huge. He's like Bobby Cannibal, Bobby Cannibal grew up, do you know what I mean? He's, he's like Bobby Cannibal like... ate Godzilla. That's what this man looks like <laughs> in terms of size. Um, so this, this, this is a Sundance film. It's a Sundance darling. It went for a lot of money at Sundance. It feels like, you know, Sundance, ever since, I think, Little Miss Sunshine, every distributor goes to Sundance looking for this type of movie, where it's sort of like it's this sweet, calm, like, yes. Yeah, yeah. But there's nothing particularly offensive in it. You know, it's not like it's sort of breaking your brain, but it's, it's very sweet, and you can imagine it appealing to a lot of a wide, very wide audience, which is very odd that Apple, bought, I go by Apple bought it because obviously a bit of money, and um, that's why they sold to Apple, but didn't put it in cinemas or anything like that, you know, because I feel like a gallon, it's, it's going to get lost on Apple, because not enough people have got Apple Plus, which seems yeah. kind of sad, it's not going to get seen. Yeah. But I enjoyed it, it's very sweet. It's kind of an almost anti-rom-com in some ways, because it's like it's not playing to the normal tropes of the rom-com, because you're kind of sensing that he, like, she has a bad energy because she's like she sort of she never really says no to him. He mm. still pursues, but you can tell he shouldn't be. But it just felt like both sides are being wrong in this. And really, something needs to put a foot and go like fucking sort your shit out. You know, like pick both. He's picked something, you know, and just yeah. move on from it. Yeah. Um, Johnson plays so she plays that like pixie dream girl, but she's a little bit less free spirited because she's got the kid. Yeah. But you get a sense that she's missed out on something in life because she had the kid young. So she's sort of like trying to kind of grasp onto this sort of like. The youth of like I want to do something and get yeah, and stupid yeah, and silly yeah. and do that kind of thing. But she plays the role really well. It's well paced. Um, it does kind of pull on the heartstrings at times, and it does make some kind of odd choices throughout, which I think is kind of the point of it. Like it's kind of when it when the rom com should zig, it will zag away. Right. Okay. In a way, you know, but you know, so it doesn't. It tries to not do what the normal rom com would do. The best thing I could compare it to might be something like, remember that one with Daniel Radcliffe, What If? I've not seen what. No. Where and it's Andy Driver and, and Andy Driver, um, Adam Driver, and Andy yeah. Driver used to play Life Wing for Hearts. Uh, Adam Driver, um, you know, <laughs> Kylo Ren, he's in and he plays like best friend. It's sort of this like, would do, won't they? Like he's in love with a girl, the guy's best friend, that kind of shit. And it's, yeah. it's got that kind of energy to it. So it's sweet and it's lovely. And I can, I, for 90 minute, 100 minutes, I can enjoy what it was. Kind of, unfortunately, it's not got a little bit like, a little Miss Sunshine punch through, you know, to sort of make it that kind That's of feel. It was dark as fuck, dude. At times, yes, but it's, it's not quite got that energy to get it through. But for the most part, I really liked it, and it's really sweet and it's really fun. And if you've got Apple Plus, which apparently I might be the only person that's got Apple Plus for the sound of it. You may be Apple's goldmine. <laughs> I, Apple, I'm, I'm paying for that. Watch this, because apparently I'm paying for this and no one else is, so... <laughs> I think the problem with Apple Plus or the problem I've encountered is it's not as accessible on a TV. No, it's not. It's not as accessible on a TV, but I think I get to try to work on that. But what I would say about Apple Plus is content is far superior yeah. to anyone else's. It's a much more refined content. If they can get it as an app on like Sky or the Now TV box. It is on Sky. But not on now TV, I don't think yet. But it's on Sky. Yeah. But it's, it's that's the problem. I've I've had that subscription before, and I don't want to sit and watch a film on a, you know, seven inch 
Oh no, agreed. If I had to watch it on my phone or a, or, a, or a laptop, I wouldn't watch it. I'd only watch it if it was on my big TV. Um, but I would generally say that the, the content on Apple Plus is, I would say, much better than Amazon, Apple, um, Netflix, all of them. But it's definitely yeah. it's definitely the best for original content. I would say it's definitely the most uh, the far superior of, of all four, but cool. probably the one that's hardest to get. So that tells you. It's a bit of a shame. So what would you give Cha Cha? Very very solid seven. Oh, cool. We've been a, we're quite a seven there, haven't we? Tonight? Yeah, apart, from, apart from the early, early doors, it's been, we've, we've recovered well after a, a dodgy start. Yeah, but we have. We've had some, some enjoyable experiences to, to yes. counterbalance. Happy movie experience, which yeah. is always nice. Um, anyway, next week we've got some big releases. We've got out first this week is um, Minions, The Rise of Gru, which, yeah. God help me, the Minions are annoyingly charming, and I do find them great yeah. yeah, times. You love the minions, don't you? Yeah. So this is this is the fourth movie in the franchise, isn't it? Uh, three, Despicable or the fifth, sorry, yeah, three, fifth. the minions, and now this one's the number yeah. five. So bravo for bringing, you know, for I would say flogging that dead horse, but I don't think it's a dead horse yet. It's still making a shit ton of money. Um, yeah. Also, this week we have, or out next week early, is Thor: Love and Thunder, the next MCU installment, as Taika Waititi takes the railings again on all things Thor. It'll be interesting yeah. to see what they do here. Yes, I'm looking forward to this one a lot. I've heard um, early reviews saying Russell Crowe is phenomenal in this. Russell Crowe is a phenomenal actor. People seem to forget forgot this. Like he's Russell yeah. fucking Crowe. Yeah, so it'll be good to see Russell back. But yeah, just um, Tyker really kind of turned for around. You know, he, he's he's made him into this the, the, the loved character that he is now rather than Kenneth Branagh. He's the kind of if you watch the original film or even in it. He's the one who goes through the most change to make him a completely different character. Like the Iron Man at the start is essentially Iron Man at the end. You know, he's he's, yeah. he's grown as a he's grown as a person, but yeah. the character's not changed. Same with Cap, same with you know Hulk to an extent as well. But the Thor character at the start to what he is now is a completely different character. Yeah, absolutely. Tyke is just totally you know just thought no, let's scrap this, start again, and he's Aye. success one hundred percent success. So I'm very very looking for I'm looking forward to this one a lot. Still, my still one of my favourites yeah, of the MCU lore. Um, also on Paramount, um, if you've got my access to Paramount, is Beavis and Butthead Do the Universe, the newest movie from the Beavis and Butthead people. Um, Are you a massive Beavis and Butthead fan? I, I think I was talking about this to someone else. I'm going, I don't think I got Beavis and Butthead when I was young enough. Like right. I, I remember like I probably saw when I was too young and didn't really get what the joke was. Yeah, yeah. So I'm intrigued yeah. to know what I think about it when I watch it now as an adult. Yeah, I'm, I'm like a massive. I, mean, I, I, I think used, if you would be, you're probably right age to got it when you were probably. How old would you yeah, be? About twenty. Yeah, I was much older. I mean, I would set up late nights to watch it and stuff like that religiously every week, you know, and you know, watch it and repeat and get stoned and watch it again and again and again. So I've got. Was a, Beavis and Butthead? That was before Celebrity Deathmatch, wasn't it? Yeah, just yeah, yeah. So. Celebrity Deathmatch is what for. I can remember sort of being the one thing that I got on MTV that really made me giggle and laugh. I don't think yeah. I really got the Beavis and Butthead oh, thing. But anyway, that. I'm intrigued to see it. I'm intrigued to see what it's yeah. like. Yeah. Um, and also this week, I will go and see Black Phone, and we'll talk about it next week. Yeah, you need to see Black Phone, dude, because that's um, obviously it's still doing business. Just yeah, now. massive business. If apparently, you want to see it next week, then you know it's still, still. So it's got a lot of showings. It's doing big business, not just doing business, doing actual, genuinely very good business. By all accounts, must see this. The only, the only thing that I'm worried about is it's going to spawn a sequel or a prequel now, and I don't think it needs it, unfortunately. But it will. But yeah. if it does, it does. It doesn't ruin the original. That's the point. Yeah, I guess so. I guess yeah. so. Anyway, yeah. tell me where you find us. Uh, number three beers in the movie on Gmail, Instagram. Um, we're on 
all, all the other stuff, all the other stuff, Twitter as well. We're on Facebook as well. It's not Gmail, it's Hotmail, isn't it? Hotmail. Gmail. 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 That's maybe why we never get emails. <laughs> you keep it on the wrong address out, yeah, it could be that. Our Hotmail mailbox is now full. <laughs> That's why. Um, yeah, look us up, man. Talk to us, let us know what you think. Um, how, how good was Elvis? Did you like Elvis? Did you not? It's, it's Tom Hanks over-characterising, you know, but was he being a, a comedian villain or, you know, was he? You know, true to the character. I don't know. You, you t- tell me, tell me. I've been Richard. You've been oh, <laughs> totally through me there. <laughs> Booyah! <laughs> Three beers in a movie.